Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's take a look where we left off last time at small bowel tumors. Now, small bowel tumors are important, although they do represent a small percent of GI tract tumors, about 5%. The challenge with small bowel tumors, as we all know, is the variable clinical presentation. Because of this, many articles have shown that from time of presentation to time of diagnosis can be anywhere from 6 to 18 months. And what could be a small tumor initially that could be resectable, 18 months later, the patient presents with widespread disease. So it's a very big challenge, both clinically and from an imaging perspective. When you look at some of the epidemiology, there are four main histologic subtypes of tumors in the small bowel, adenocarcinoma, carcinoids, lymphoma, and sarcoma. And interesting, the incidence of small bowel cancer has increased over the past several decades with an impressive fourfold increase for carcinoid tumors with less dramatic rise for adenocarcinoma and lymphoma and stable sarcoma rates. Of course, there are other malignancies, typically metastatic disease, which I'm not mentioning here, so we're speaking about uh, primary tumors. In terms of frequency, adenocarcinoma and carcinoid are almost the same depending on the articles you read, with lymphoma and sarcomas uh, trailing in terms of numbers. Now, with adenocarcinoma, there's a range of appearances. The challenge is when you have a large ulcerating lesion or a constricting lesion with obstruction, things are easy to find. When it's diffuse infiltration or polypoid, but typically when small, it can be a challenge. Now, there are many ways of avoiding these pitfalls. Here's a case of a duodenal carcinoma. Do you see it? Well, it's in the third portion of the duodenum, but I will admit it is hard to see. And here's another axial view. Again, when you look hard, the third portion shows a bulky appearance, and you should note or suspect something. But I have to admit, even when I circle it, it's hard to see. But take that axial image and now put it into 3D volume rendering, and look how impressive the tumor is. From the second portion through fourth portion of the adenum, there's lobulated tumor infiltration, abnormal enhancement, large bulky tumor. So easy to recognize, but again, it's all in perspective. Now, when things obstruct, I mentioned, here's a good example. Also, adenocarcinomas, which are typically not thought of being very vascular, they are relatively vascular, particularly when you do 3D rendering and you accentuate the images. Very nice transition here of dilated bowel, many causes of bowel obstruction, but you can see here very nicely an infiltrating tumor. Now, you ask, is this specific for adenocarcinoma? Could it be lymphoma? I guess the answer would be uh, indeed yes. In fact, it could also be metastatic disease if you wanted to do a differential diagnosis. But in this patient with no known primary, this was a primary adenocarcinoma of a small bowel presenting with obstruction. Now, carcinoid tumors are interesting because we're seeing them as noted much more frequently now. They're more common in the ileum and least common in the duodenum. It's more common in men and more common in African-Americans and lower for Hispanics. Carcinoid tumors are interesting. They have a number of classic appearances because of what the tumors do. They tend to lead to mesenteric ischemia and potentially infarction because of a desmoplastic reaction with subsequent encasement of vessels both on the arterial and venous side. Now, when we look for carcinoid tumors in terms of CT, the typical thing we look for was a mass in the mesentery. It was always impossible to see small bowel tumors because these lesions were often small and, in fact, often multiple. But it's been shown recently that with better technique, we can pick up these smaller tumors. Also, it should be noted that carcinoid tumors are one of the classic tumors for vascular liver metastasis. And also, when there's a mesenteric mass present, the mesenteric mass, in about 70% of cases, has calcification. 
Now, I mentioned dedicated small bowel CT being better than results in the past. Here was an article of 25 uh, negative and 19 positive cases with tumors ranging from as small as 5 millimeters to 3 centimeters. And in this case, the authors had the incredible results. Sensitivity and specificity, 196% respectively. Negative predictive value, 100%. Positive predictive value, 94.7%. And this is with pathologic correlation. So indeed, very positive. Now you can see the classic thing about carcinoid tumors. I said they were distal, but not always. Here's a very nice example of a two centimeter carcinoid in the duodenum. And the classic thing for carcinoid, it's vascular. Now I'll show you examples later on. But our experience now with vascular lesions, think of carcinoid first, then think of just tumor, then think of metastasis, particularly if the primary was something like renal cell carcinoma. But there's the lesion very nicely shown on volume rendering and very nicely shown again when I change some of the rendering parameters. Vascular lesion, um, critical possibility, think of carcinoid. And although, yes, it's in the proximal bowel, carcinoids can occur proximally. And the fact is we're seeing more carcinoids proximally. What about this case? This was read as negative several times. When you look at the axial images, if you look hard, there are several bright dots within the small bowel. But if you take it into a volume rendering, those bright dots are better seen and better appreciated. There's also a small mass in the mesentery. That's carcinoid tumor. Or this case, mass very classic at the ilium, it's enhancing. When you look hard, there's also a mesenteric mass, very classic for the appearance of carcinoid tumors. Again, you can see in this case, both the mesenteric mass and the primary tumor enhance. You also can see in this case that there is encasement of a branch of the uh, SMA, which is basically the iliocolic branch at this point. Again, here it is with 3D rendering. So you can see very nicely how these tumors behave. Primary mass, mesenteric mass, mesenteric mass with desmoplastic reaction, and both primary and the secondary lesions do enhance. Now I mentioned gist tumors. We are seeing more gist tumors literally everywhere, but particularly in small bowel. It's a mesenchymal tumor, usually exophytic, arising from the muscularis propria, and the duodenum is the most common small bowel location. These tumors can present with GI bleeding, they can present with obstruction. They're at times not very vascular. Here's a large uh, mass near the duodenum, and this is a gist tumor. And again, the lesion is very smooth, well-defined, and you can see the GDA is not displaced. You can see it's very nicely shown. Again, at first glance, this was referred to us as a pancreatic tumor. You can see why, but there's no dilated common duct, no dilated pancreatic duct. Whenever I see that, I think about nodes, I think about neuroendocrine tumors, and I think about primary duodenal lesions. And you can see here as we go through the images, portal vein and portal vein and SMV are all intact compressed, displaced maybe, but not invaded. And when you do the MIP imaging, you could see ever so slight vascularity. So again, these are uh, impressive tumors in that regard. When I speak about GI bleeding, we talk about many causes of GI bleeding, proximal and distal, and we talk about possibilities, particularly for the lower GI bleeds where CT is very good. And when we talk about angiodysplasia and vascular dysplasias and meckles, but we also talk about small bowel neoplasms. And just as one of the tumors that can do this. 
When you look at the results of CT and GI bleeding, and I know this is an aside here in part, uh, we went from potentially being useful to this article by Yoon talking about 100% accuracy to the Hopkins and Stanford experience, which was very good, but you know, no specific numbers, and I would say we're probably in the 90% range, to this article by Steiner, which makes the point that CTA with multiplanar and MIP imaging is critical for detecting sites of contrast extravasation and small pseudoaneurysms, that it's a valuable tool for the interventional radiologist to demonstrate the site of bleeding and then allow you to do planning, with the point being that you could pick up smaller bleeds than we could before. Now, when you look at the bleeds, again, enhancement, very subtle here. Little bright dots, maybe, on the axial images, but it's real. And there it is on coronal, so you should recognize it. Again, when you're looking for bleeding, uh, this could be carcinoid, you might think about. But look at those lesions. Now look what happens when I go to MIP. Look how much better it's shown. Multiple small vascular lesions. This was angiodysplasia. Very, very nice example of the cause of bleeding in this patient. And again, the importance of technique. Or this example, an eight miller bleed, again, bleed, again, a very nice vascular blush. This was also a angiodysplasia, nicely shown there. And there again on the MIP images. And here's what I meant by tumor. I just discussed gist. Here's a patient with a two centimeter gist tumor in the proximal bowel. Here it is again on the volume rendering, and I'm circling it for you. Just tumors are large, but when they present with bleeding, they can't present early. This is exophytic. It's smooth. It's enhancing slightly. This was the cause of the patient's GI bleed. This was resected uh, and classic just tumor. Another example of GI bleed. Look how bright this just tumor is. You can think of carcinoid, but the patient had GI bleeding. You see a small feeding vessel. I'll show it to you several times in several images. Again, the beauty about water as a contrast agent, you can see the vascular map. You can easily see the enhancement. Here's a couple more volume rendered views with different obliquities showing it to you localized into the proximal bowel. And again, you could argue as to the cause of the bleeding, the vascular lesion, what it is, could it be a carcinoid? But you can't argue that you found the site of bleeding and this patient will go to surgery and get this resected. So again, think about just tumors, think about carcinoid tumors. And I'll just mention, since I'm talking about bleeding, when you're looking at bleeding, we study the small bowel, but look at the large bowel as well and look low. Here's a patient with varices in the rectum, but look how large those varices are in the sagittal MIP and on the coronal MIP. And the reason this patient had bleeding was the patient had very large varices. So although we're typically looking for small bowel tumors or angiodysplasia, think about that and look very carefully at this area in question. And look how nicely you do some bone removal Look how nicely you can see the site of the large varices, uh, these large hemorrhoids. So again, very, very important to look at. So what, so what are we looking at here? So basically we're saying that CT really provides a volumetric approach to vascular imaging of the bowel, 
that we're, we're going from a study that looks at masses to a study that looks at the vascular map. And this is very important for both um, detection of disease and staging of disease. It's critical in patient management. Complications, including GI bleeding, are easy to recognize. Again, an important thing when we use small bowel CT, particularly if it's not neoplastic, is to make so we reduce the dose. If patients are getting repeated study like Crohn's patients, then we talk about using MR uh, for routine follow-up at times. But if it, for primary tumors, for GI bleeding, CT is indeed the way to go. So with that, hopefully we've shown you exactly what needs to be done, how we can do things, and really the changes in what we're looking at. And in this day, with increased frequency of small bowel tumors, this indeed becomes very important. And hopefully, uh, this will help you uh, do your practice a bit better. And with that, I wish you a great day.